Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message with Pastor Nick Stringer, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. Open your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Haggai, chapter 2. We're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 9, those verses that Tim just read for us. Haggai chapter 2 verses 1 through 9. This is the second message of our third mess of a three-part series. Today's message is titled, But Now Take Courage. But Now Take Courage. You know, uh, taking courage seems to be a recurring theme throughout the scriptures. Uh, we see it throughout the Bible where God is reminding his people, take courage courage and in our own lives it can be a reoccurring theme as well as it is very easy to give in to fear and to allow fear to take us off our track with God second Timothy 1 7 says this God did not give us a spirit of fear but of power love and sound mind today we're going to see that the Lord gives us a tool. We're going to discover that as we look through Haggai today. God gives us a tool to drive away fear and to take in courage. That tool is his promises. And that's going to be our principle for today. Remembering the Lord's promises will move us to courage. And so we want to apply that into our lives and Here's what we can work on in the coming week. Pray for the Lord to bring moments of his faithfulness to our memory so that we can move forward into courage. So let's set the scene now, if you will. This is the second message. And last week, we talked about how God sent Haggai the prophet with a message to stir the people to rebuild the temple. The people of Judah had just returned back home with the purpose and for the reason of rebuilding God's temple after 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And God said to them, I want you to consider your ways. Now, he said this message to them because what had happened is that they had left the reason and purpose that they were returned back home. They were there to rebuild the temple, but they allowed discouragement and fear to stop them in their work. And so 15 years later, God begins to stir their hearts again towards that work. He sends Haggai in, and he says, give them this message, Haggai. Tell them to consider their ways. My house is lying desolate while they are working on their houses. And it should be the other way around, God says. They should, I should be top priority and top focus in their lives. And so now we have a situation here where 21 days after giving that message, the people of Judah, God's people, have begun work on the temple. They have begun to undertake this mighty task and this mighty effort. And so God says, Haggai, I need you to deliver to them another message. And so he does. And that message today is one of great encouragement. Encouragement because God knows that the task that lies ahead of them is daunting and difficult, and they're going to need encouragement to prevent what happened the first time. 
and that is the work being stopped because of discouragement. I want you to go into your Bibles now, and I want you to look specifically at verses 4 and 5. And I would like you to underline these phrases as we go along. Highlight them, circle them, do whatever it is that you need to do in order to remember them. Because you have your workbooks in front of you. And this is where our faith is strengthened. So verse 4, I want you to underline these phrases. But now take courage. Your Bible may say be strong. And if it does, I want you to underline that. Underline take courage or be strong. Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Take courage also Joshua son of Jehozadak. Underline take courage. And all you people of the land, take courage. Take courage, be strong. You see that three times right there in verse 4. God is repeating the message, take courage, take courage, take courage. I also want you to underline this phrase immediately after. Declares the Lord and work, for I am with you. Underline that phrase, I am with you. Take courage, I am with you. Now go to verse 5. As for the promise which I made when you came out of Egypt, underline this phrase right here. My spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. So when you step back and you look at chapter 2 of Haggai, you're going to see popping off the page there, take courage, take courage, take courage. I am with you. My spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear fear that is the message for today that is the message that god wants to lay on your heart you know a good question to ask <laughs> it's sure easy to say that right don't be afraid be strong take courage but we want to look at this question how how do i take courage how do i be strong how do i move fear out of my life and move courage into my life and i believe that we're going to discover that here in chapter two of haggai and i believe the answer we find right there in verse five let's look at verse five as for the promise which i made you when you came out of egypt my spirit is abiding in your midst do not fear it's that tool that we talked about at the beginning the tool for overcoming fear and replacing it with courage is remembering God's promises. So that's where we're going to pick up. Recalling God's promises gives us courage. The first point I want to make here today is this. Remembering God's promises prevents our past from deciding our future. What happened last time? Well, the first time they left Babylon and they came back home, they began work on the temple. But they were quickly discouraged and they allowed fear to stop them in that work. And God says, that is in the past. That's what happened the first time. But we don't have to let that happen this time. We're going to learn from our mistakes. And we're not going to let what happened in the past prevent us from fulfilling our will for God in the future. You know... It was probably still fresh in their memories, although it had been 15 years ago. But I'm sure that every time that they passed by the temple that still lied desolate in the middle of the community, it was a reminder to them 
we failed to keep our word. We failed to keep our promise. It could have been a very haunting memory for them and certainly something that Satan himself would use to remind us. Perhaps you, I think I do, have things in my past that I'm not very proud of or things that I wish I could have done better. Old Satan will bring those up to your memory from time to time and he will use those as a tool against you to discourage you from moving forward in your life. He wants to prevent you from having a future with God. And he does that by letting your past decide your future. And God says, no, we're not concerned about what happened last time because this is a new time. It's a new time. We're going to start building the house again. I already told you last week to consider your ways. You've begun work on the house and now I want to encourage you and I want you to not allow the past to decide your future. You see, God didn't want them to be defined by their past failures. God said what happened in the past isn't going to define you. The defining moment is right now. Right now. At this time and at this place, it's a brand new people. It's a brand new mission. Take the tiger by the tail. Take the bull by the horns and move forward. Don't allow your past to decide your future. You know, something interesting here that I thought was also at play. I want you to look at verse 3 here in Haggai chapter 2. Look at verse 3. Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? I believe that the people may have had a fear of not being able to measure up to the past. Think about that. They remember, he says, do you remember the temple in its former glory? Now, this was the temple that Solomon had built. Solomon was the wealthiest man in the world at that time. He built a grand temple, grandiose. It was beautiful, gold overlaid, cedar wood, all the bells and whistles. And if they remember that, and they look at the temple that lies desolate now, and the materials that they have, I should say the materials that they don't have, they may be thinking, there's no way we could build a temple that would compare to the one that was built in the past. And they're exactly right. And God is saying, don't you worry about that temple that was built in the past. This is a new temple. I want you to use the materials that you have available to you right now. Because it's not how it's going to look like on the outside. It's about the way the work is done on the inside of your heart. And oh, by the way, don't you worry about what's on the inside of that temple either. It doesn't need to be overlaid in gold. Because I'm, when you're done building it, going to fill it with my glory. You know why I'm going to fill it with my glory, says God? Because you obeyed my command and I can see that you carried out this work in a labor of love. And don't you worry about this temple not being in comparison to that grandiose temple Solomon built. He did what he had with what he had. I want you to do the very same thing. Don't you worry that it's smaller? Don't you worry that it's not as extravagant? Don't you worry that it's not as pleasing to the eye? Don't you worry about those things because your priority is to just be obedient 
Your priority is to show me you're motivated by your love with me by carrying out this command. A fear of measuring up. A very real real fear. I uh, read an interesting survey uh, this past week. Over half of young American adults don't believe they're going to achieve the level of success that their parents had. A condition of our current economic climate with inflation being the way they see the prices and they're thinking, how am I ever going to afford these things that my parents have achieved in their lives? So there's a fear of not being able to measure up. Living in the shadows. Maybe you've heard that saying, that phrase. I was reading a couple of testimonies from some celebrity children about what it's like to grow up in a house of some very famous parents. Uh, One of the testimonies said this, it's excruciatingly terrible to grow up in a house of famous parents because you feel like you'll never live up. Another uh, child of a famous celebrity said this, it's been a struggle for me my entire life to be my own person. A fear of not living up to the past, of what was done in the past. And God says, I don't need you to be somebody else. I don't need you to compare yourself to others. I don't need you to reflect on past glories. I just need you to be the best you can be right now. I need you to be my champion right now with what you have, who you are. And don't you worry about the rest. You will be blessed. So there's a fear of not being able to measure up. But here's where the rubber meets the road. God says, I do not want you to dwell on your past failures. Isaiah 43, 18. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Now, when you hear that word dwell, right, that's like a dwelling place. What's a dwelling place? A place where you live, a place where you reside. And if you're dwelling in the past, that means you are residing in the past. That means you are living in the past. You're not living here and you're not looking forward to the future. You're living and dwelling in the past. That word ponder. See this word ponder? That has a very interesting meaning to it also. It also means to separate. You know what living in the past does? It can separate us from God because we are unequipped to carry out the things that God has for us to do when we're here and he's saying, hey, baby, (laughs) I need you right here. I need you to be here, not here. God has extraordinary work for us to do, but we can't do it back there. We can't live in the past and we can't dwell on past failures we have to bite the bullet put that behind us and move on because God has wonderful work ahead of us there's a man named Simon Weston he was a member of the British Army in the early 80s and in 1982 his regiment um, on a battleship was destroyed in what was called the Falcons War they were destroyed Uh, by Argentine Skyhawk fighters. They were on a ship that was carrying thousands of gallons of diesel fuel, phosphorus bombs, and much ammunition. 22 of the 30 
people in his regiment were killed. He survived, Simon Weston did, but he survived with 46% of his body being burned up and his face unrecognizable. In fact, his face was so unrecognizable that when his mother came to visit him in a hospital, he was being pushed down the hallway in a wheelchair, and on her way to his room, she said, oh, look at that poor boy. And then he said, Mom, it's me. He was so unrecognizable that she couldn't even tell who it was. And he said her face completely turned to stone. Simon Weston didn't allow what happened in the past to decide his future. He went on to have a great, and still does, do much great charitable work. And he does this for people who live with disfigurements. He raises money for them. He gives them encouragement. He goes on speaking engagements. And he is a beacon of hope and light for people with disfigurements. He didn't dwell on what happened in the past and allow that to decide his future. And God does not want that for us as well. He says, I do not want you to live and reside with the things that happened in the past. I have a wonderful future for you. And I want you to be a part of it. And you can't be a part of it unless you're here with me now. He says this. The future glory will exceed the glory of the past. Will you look at verse 9 with me here in chapter 2? It says this, The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. What he is saying there is that the best is yet to come. What you have known in the past what your forefathers have told you about in the past is nothing in comparison of what it's going to be in the future. Now, God was speaking prophetically. He wasn't just talking about this temple that he is going to fill with glory once it's complete. But he was talking about future glory. He is talking about that glory that you and I are going to experience when we leave this earth and we find ourselves in the presence of holy God and we stand before him and there we are in the new heavens and the new earth and we see the glory of God and then we'll remember the word of Haggai where the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. And that is waiting for us. He is saying the best is yet to come. Don't you dwell in the past or let it keep you from your future. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. God is a God of hope and a God of a future. He's saying, leave that old dwelling place behind. He knows the things that we have done in this body in the past. He knows some of the thoughts that we have thought. And he says, but I can make you a new creature. We can leave that old temple, your body, lying desolate. I can fill it right now with my spirit and I can bring you into a glorious future. You know, Jesus says that our body is like a temple. It's a temple in the fact that it houses the Spirit of God. What a wonderful future he's going to have in store for us. 
So that's the first point. We do not want our past to prevent us from our future and to decide our future. Here's the second thing that we see in the book of Haggai, chapter 2, is that recalling God's promises reminds us that the Lord's presence is near. Right? Just go back to verses 4 and 5. And he says, take courage, Zerubbabel. Take courage, Joshua. Take courage, you people of the land. I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. Very interesting that he says Lord of hosts there. What does that mean, Lord of hosts? Lord of all. Lord of everything in the heavenly realm. Lord over all creation. He is Lord of lords and king of kings. He is the God of all. He is the Lord of hosts. And he is saying, I am with you. My spirit is in your midst. Earlier I told you the story about a woman who had lost $12,000 cash in a bag on a train in New York. What was the likelihood she was going to see that again? You know, one time I was on my way to work, and I remember I was going down School Road, if you're familiar with that. School Road goes into Johnson Fork, and I was going to make that quick little turn and go up Mortishead. Well, right there at the end of School Road, there was a stop sign, and I saw a duffel bag lying in the road. It was 5.30 in the morning. It was dark. I'm like, wow, look at that. It's just lying right there. I got out of my car. I put the duffel bag in the back seat, and I unzipped it. Honestly, <laughs> I was just looking for an identification. I was going to let this person know I found this duffel bag. I heard this truck barreling down the road and i moved away from my car because i didn't think they saw me i thought they were going to slam into the back of my car and they screeched on the brakes and they said did you find a bag in the road two guys jumped out of their truck and i said i sure did here and i was just looking for some identification because i was going to call and see whose bag this was and try to get it to them and i zipped it up and he grabbed it from me. He's like, give me that bag. And they jumped in their truck and they took off. My heart was like, whoo. <laughs> that could have got ugly real quick. But losing a bag, you know, I'm sure for those gentlemen or that gentleman who lost it, that was probably a, a, a tough feeling, a feeling of loss. That woman who lost that cash. And God is saying, I want to keep you near to me. I want you to be close to me. You know, I remember when our kids were in preschool, <laughs> uh, there was a look of shock on their faces. I drove to preschool. I think Savannah was about three years old. I was in charge of taking her to preschool that day for some reason. And I pulled up to the door, and she got out of the car. She walked up to the door, and a teacher let her right in, and I drove away. And um, that's not always the case. If you walk into a preschool, you see parents trying to get away from their kids. <laughs> They're clinging onto their legs. And the teacher told me, she said, she was shocked. I said, you don't really see that too often. I said, well, you know, bribes work very well. <laughs> You're going to ice cream after if you get out of the car and make me look good in front of all these people. You're going to get ice cream, right? 
But, you know, the children, they cling to their legs, right? They cling to the legs. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to cling to him, to not let go of him. You know, I bet that the people, uh, they thought God has left us. His presence is surely not with us. But I want to tell you this. God says, I will not leave you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 says this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. You know, if you really want to hold God near to you, then we need to fulfill his will. We need to do the will of God. We always think that God has left us and his presence is not with us because we have left God. Listen, the people had put themselves in this position. God had allowed them to be taken captive into Babylon because they had turned away from him and were serving other gods. Had they maintained their fidelity to him and their commitment to him, they would have been able to experience the presence of God. It's not that God's presence wasn't there, but they just weren't experiencing that presence because they were too busy playing the harlot with other gods. They were too busy dating other gods. They were too busy pleasing themselves. But keeping the Lord's word helps us to hold him near to us. In other words, recalling his promises, remembering his promises. Listen to what Jesus himself said in John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. What's the catch there? We will make our abode with him if what? If they keep my word. If you will remember God's promises, you will experience the presence of God. So that's exactly what God wanted to do to the people here in Haggai chapter 2. He wanted to remind them again My spirit, do you remember that promise I made to you a thousand years ago in Egypt? When I carried you people out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Guess what? I'm still keeping that promise. I want you to experience that promise. Do you want to experience God's presence in your life? He's there, but do you want to experience it? Then follow his will for your life. Obey his command. Get to a place where you can hear the word of God speaking to you. He will lead your heart in a different direction. He will lead you to do new things. Have the courage to follow that and be blessed. So the third and final point here is not only remembering God's promise will hold us near to him, but remembering God's promises drives out fear and brings in courage. Drives out fear, brings in courage. Another interesting question. How do we draw on the strength of God? How do I receive it into our lives? Yeah, we know about remembering the promises, 
But what is it that gives it? Well, it's the supernatural power of God. When we remember God's promises, then that is what gives us the strength. Look, God is saying this. Let's look at verse 5. I want you to look at this carefully. Verse 5, stay with me here. We're getting close to the top of the hours. Hang in there just a little bit longer. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt. Listen, here it is. My spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. Clearly and evidently remembering God's promises is all that we need to drive out fear. There is no other magic formula. There's no other solution. There's no secret sauce. That's it. Remembering the promises of God, who he is, who, what he has done, and what he promises he will do in the future. We remember that, and we can drive out fear. We can take in courage. Because all we have is the promises of God. You know the song, Standing on the Promises of God. You know, when you're lying in a hospital bed, that's all you have, right? That's it. Just the promises of God. Your mortality is set before you. 10, 20 years from now, there's going to be very vague recollection of your existence on this earth. Right? It's right now. Drive out fear. Take in courage. You know God's promises, they revive us. Psalm 119.50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. God is building up this people so that his people will build his temple. And eventually that temple will build upon the glory of God and be a beacon to all the nations in the world. It's a time of refreshing. You know, I'm sure that the people looked at the tasks that lie before them. They saw that uh, temple lying in desolation, and they thought, wow, this is a big job. This is a daunting task. Overwhelmed by the work that lied ahead could be very discouraging. It's just too much to do. How are we ever going to do this? You know what God says? Without fear, take courage. Remember that I'm with you and piece by piece, brick by brick, stone by stone. How do you do that? Well, remembering God's promises can rejuvenate, refresh, and bring rejoicing to your heart. The overwhelming feeling that the world can have us can uh, give us can leave us reeling but it's that joy that god gives us in his heart psalm 19 8 the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes precepts of god are his promises the things that he promises to do recollection of what he has already done these are the things that rejoice the heart Wow, remember when God did that? Because you guys, when God is doing work in your life, you've got to write this down. Okay? You've got to have memories of God's faithfulness in your life. That's what the Bible is for. It's for you 
to right inside, right? Not to leave underneath the coffee table where dust collects. That thing needs to be opened. That thing needs to be written in. There needs to be memories in there, underlines, highlights. It's a workbook. It is your book to use for your life. And then maybe when you're gone from this earth, one of your grandchildren or great-grandchildren will pick it up and they'll say, man, great-grandma, great-grandpa was bad to the bone. Look at all that. Or they're going to say, wow. There was a great faith there. And they're going to get curious. And they're going to look at that. And they're going to say, what is it about that? That stirred him or her to want to be that way. The promises of God rejoice our heart. I'll end with this. It's baseball playoff season, right? And I love baseball, as you know. And I like the playoffs. Unfortunately, all the games right now are on TBS. And I don't get TBS. Looking forward to the World Series, and they'll show some games on Fox. Anyway, uh, one of the announcers uh, for the World Series will probably be a guy named John Smoltz. He used to be a pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. John Smoltz went through a very difficult period in his early part of his career where he felt very overwhelmed, and he felt like he wasn't living up to his potential. And so he went and visited a sports psychologist, and that sports psychologist told him uh, very simply, he put together a 10-minute highlight reel of all of John Smoltz's best uh, accomplishments so that John could see everything that he had done that was good. And John's confidence began to be lifted up. And then he said this to John. He said, John, I want you to also remember to enjoy what you're doing. You're a professional baseball player. I want you to have some fun out there. He says, when I see your face, it looks like you're never having fun out there on the mound. I want you to enjoy the moment. And John said that that changed his entire perspective. And watching those old clips gave him the uh, confidence he needed to remember. I'm in the big leagues. I made it here for a reason because I'm pretty doggone good. And he went out and he turned his season around. He was 2-11 and 11 before his visit to the psychiatrist, and he was 12-2 and two afterward and helped lead his team to the World Series. God is saying this to us. Leave what's in the past in the past. I've already accounted for the past because I've put my son on the cross for your past. We all have a clean slate with Jesus Christ. Those sins are forgotten, they're not remembered, and they're washed away. Now, you and I are moving together into the future as a new version of our old self. We are clean, we are pure, we are the righteousness of God, we are the children of God. Why? Because we have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And we will not allow our past to decide our future. We will remember the promises of God. We will rejoice in our heart. And we will drive out fear by remembering these promises. And we will live with courage. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the prophet Haggai. I want to thank you for the words that he gave to a people who were overwhelmed, who were reeling, 
and who were battling 15 years of being discouraged. I'm sure that every time that those folks had walked by that temple, they were just reminded of their failures, and they were reminded of what they couldn't do because of discouragement. Father, you came in, and you stirred their spirits, and they were refreshed and revived and rejuvenated to do their work for you again. And lo and behold, they began piece by piece to build your temple. And you told them, don't you worry about measuring up to what was in the past. You just stay focused on what you're doing right now. And I'm going to fill this house with the same glory that I filled that temple that Solomon built. It's the same God. It's the same glory. And it's going to be the same blessing. No matter what it looks like on the outside. Heavenly Father, thank you for these reminders. Thank you for your love, which never ceases and has no end. Father, you are a good, good God, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sunday message by Pastor Nick Stringer at Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www creekside-church.org Find us on the website. Once again, you've been listening to the Sunday Message with Pastor Nick Stringer.